This podcast is sponsored by Australian Christian College, a network of schools committed to student wellbeing, character development and academic improvement. Welcome to the Inspiration Project, where well-known Christians share their stories to inspire young people in their faith and life. Here's your host, Brendan Corr. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Inspiration Project podcast, where we're bringing you stories of successful people of faith who've been able to navigate their professional life and include the uh, the essence of their of their Christian beliefs within that. And this morning, we are talking with Associate Professor Alyssa Deenick. Um, Dr. Deenick uh, graduated from Covenant Christian School and then undertook um, medical science studies at the University of Sydney, where she completed her PhD then undertook some postdoctoral research over at the University of Toronto, focusing in on uh, immune responses and, and the physiology behind our capacity to fight off disease. Moved back to Australia and is working as a head of the lab at the Garvin Institute, again, focusing on immune responses and, uh, and uh, reactions, body's reactions to infection. Uh, Dr. Dienick, it is really delightful to have you with us. Um, you, did you well, try to be with you? Did you have an early interest in in uh, germs and the sorts of things that have become the, the focus of much of the world in, in recent months? No, I didn't really. It actually started out probably more with an interest in the human body and how the um, human body worked. And I think I just stumbled upon immunology in some ways. Um don't really know how. I think I was reading the course descriptions uh, when I was starting my degree um, and looked at it and just thought that's really interesting and kind of in some ways, um, yeah, my career has just kind of happened, you might say by chance or the hand of God actually that I've ended up here. So let me start what um, the, the place of, of science and moving into the hard research science from a Christian school what things were going on in in a Christian school that encouraged you to to enter into a a, a career in science? Yeah, I mean, I really loved um, my my science classes at school. I didn't actually study biology at school. I studied um, physics and chemistry instead, and I just loved. Um, understanding the way things worked. And I had teachers who were really great and strong Christian people, but also kind of uh, helped with that interest and kind mm. of explained things to me in a way that I wanted to keep looking into that. Mm. So let me um, explore with you. Obviously, there's a common misunderstanding that those two things shouldn't uh, align a Christian belief and an interest in science. Was that ever a problem for you? Did you have to rationalise that for yourself or was the environment that you were growing up in able to balance that or give you an insight into the unity of those ideas? Yeah, I I never really um, had a problem with that. I should probably say as well that my dad was uh, uh, trained as a scientist, a geophysicist, and then became a teacher. So not only at school but also at home I had a strong Mm. Our science influence as well, and this modeling of um, the fact that the two easily went in hand in hand. But also, I just never really saw 
the conflict. To me, they were just exploring different things. So science was exploring uh, the natural world, how, you know, our bodies worked, how, you know, forces worked, that kind of thing, whereas my Christian faith was operating kind of at a a higher level, a different level when it was explaining Mm. kind of the why of things, not the not the mechanics of things. Mm. So I didn't see that conflict and I still don't see that conflict. I think they have different strengths and different reasons. Mm. Got to, uh, I'd like to come back and ask you a bit more about that, but can can you share us a little bit about how, how you became a person of faith? You obviously grew up in a Christian family and, and had that strong influence and that presence of faith in your home. What made it become yours and not just what was around you? Yeah, that's true. So I did grow up in, and I can't point to a, a time when I, I didn't uh, believe in God, but really it was in my um, high school years that I began to really understand it more and take it on for myself. So, you know, come, come to understand that um, sin is more than just doing bad things, but it's, you know, our, about our relationship with God and our rejection of him um, and really kind of want to embrace that myself, but also to start asking those questions about Christianity, you know, because you grow up and it just seems like, well, that's the obvious choice. But then when you start to understand other worldviews and then you have to start asking yourself, okay, why do I think this, you know, Christianity is right and these other things aren't? And kind of having to look at um, other worldviews and say, like, do they have truths? Like, why? Why do I really believe in in Christianity? And and came as I saw thought through that to think actually Christianity makes the most sense to me of the way the world operates and of who Jesus is. Um, yeah. So you you mentioned there that Christianity made sense to you that there was rationality that you could find in the the claims of Christianity. Yeah, and you also mentioned that for you, you don't necessarily understand why why people see a conflict between scientific view of the world and and a Christian view of the world. Where, what do you do with the people who will then say, "Look, Christianity is all about the supernatural, the miracles," those, and that is contradictory to a scientific understanding, scientific explanations. Where do you sit in that? Or how do you answer those charges? Yeah, I think you have to um, point out, and I've I've had these discussions with friends who are a scientist, um, that every kind of worldview has, has, requires faith. Like for you to say as a scientist, there are no miracles. The only thing that exists is the natural world that we can explore by scientific experimentation is in itself a faith statement. Yes. There's no way as a scientist that you can prove that yes. that world you see in your science is all that there is. Mm. Um, and so I think that's um, one of the things that I think particularly scientists because, you know, they're so rational and they're like, well, I, I they they like to believe that they have no mm. um they've made made no leaps themselves that everything they think comes from rational thought but we have to start even the idea that rational thought can give us truth is in itself like a requires 
a faith statement. Uh, statement. Yeah. 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 So you you're really talking about the philosophy of science and the philosophy. Of yeah. Science, yeah. Yeah. Thing, and, and and completely get that. Um, so you came to faith in uh, a, a Christian school. Uh, you came to a love of science in in a Christian school. Were there people of significance in that part of your life that were were shaping your understanding of of those two parts of of understanding the world? Um, uh, I think um, my family certainly had a, a big influence uh, on me. Um, my my parents, particularly, you know, modelling uh, their Christian faith, and um, my father kind of modelling kind of this very well thought out. Mm. Um, rational approach to understanding life. Um, uh, I um, had, like I say, I had some really good um, science teachers who were very clear about um, their Christian um, faith as well. I mean, I I remember one of my science teachers actually um, apologising to us as a class because, you know, he... um, had got angry and he was like, you know, we we follow a God who is slow to anger and abounding in love and, like, I I on this day did not act kind of that way. So to have mm-hmm. um, these people who were, um, you know, strong, you know, loved science but also really demonstrated a deep um, love of God and a uh, wanting to live his way and everything they did was um, really inspiring. That's terrific to have people that are able to point you in the direction of being a thinker, but also being being uh, somebody that's experiencing life in, in mm. all cities. I, I wonder, Dr. Danik, you have the the uh, I'm not saying the privilege, but the benefit of growing in this. Uh, academic pursuit and honing your intellectual skills as well as deepening your faith in a a Christian community, a Christian family. What was it like for that young Christian person to go to university where maybe there wasn't as much common understanding of of the way you were seeing things as you might have experienced in the past? Yeah, I really, I did, I did feel like actually maybe I was a bit naive <laughs> to, to university um, in hindsight, uh, looking back. Um, and so, you know, um, yeah, kind of came to then have people who were teaching you who actually sometimes were a bit dismissive mm. um, of Christianity. But I think that actually is a really positive thing in some ways because when you're challenged about you know, the things you believe, it really makes you have to stop and think Mm. um, about what you believe and the reasons you believe that. And um, as Christians, I don't think we have to be scared of those kind of attacks because if what we believe is true, then, like, we don't have to fear to look closely at, you know, questions about, you know, miracles and Mm. um, who Jesus was because that's the truth. And if we look closely, we'll see that we won't, you know, um, we don't have to be scared of that, I think, which is sometimes I think um, 
when we're, particularly when we're young and when we're unsure of ourselves and we come up against those attacks, we can um, be afraid. But I think we can be confident, actually, that you know, this is the truth and that we can. So um, where, where did you go to or who did you go to or where, if it, if it wasn't your personal experience, advice for some young person who might be in that space, where do they go? Who do they talk to if they do feel that they're under they're under challenge, that there's things coming, ideas that are coming to them from around about that they haven't thought through? And it seems to be reasonably asking questions they don't have answers to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went to... Um, you know, both um, older, more experienced Christians um, who were able, and, you know, in that if it's a, a question related to science, you go, you know, I was able to go, say, to my father or to other people who I knew were Christians to talk about that. Um, but I also um, just read books and read books both by Christian authors mm. who kind of talked through these things but also by um non-Christian authors because you want to be able to see what their arguments are and work through those arguments for yourself so you know kind of what their strongest argument is, which is very much like science, right? Yes, if you're, right. you've yes. got a hypothesis and that person's got a different hypothesis, you have to really understand their hypothesis in order to kind of disprove it. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that's a useful um, point to make is that, it's it's about finding what is right. It's not necessarily finding what we feel or what we prefer or what's comfortable, but doing the hard work of thinking it through and finding what is what is at the bottom. What's the answer to those yeah. questions, right? Yeah. And it's actually something I say to students in my in my lab in relation to science as well. Have like, you know, embrace the truth. Because even in science with your sometimes you can have a you know your pet hypothesis in science that you think you know the immune system works this way and then you do an experiment and it kind of shows the opposite and you can have a sense of disappointment right that your your pet idea was ruined whereas you know you've actually got to embrace the truth like and be you know open about seeing what that is because that's really what you want to know you want to know the truth not what just makes you feel good yeah yeah that's right i want to come back to that point in the little down the track in our conversation but let me ask you you told me that you studied physics and chemistry at um secondary school and high school yeah you've ended up immersed in the, the deep dark secrets of biology and and uh, physiology where did the change happen for you where did you go from hard science of physics and equations to looking at life? Yeah, I actually went to um, a science summer school when I was in about year 10, I think, um, and that was and that had a lot of biology and stuff that I quite um liked. So that had kind of sparked my interest, but clearly not enough to get me yeah. <laughs> um, studying different subjects in year 11 and 12. But I think by the time I got to the end of year 12, I knew that I really wanted to do study in um, the human um, body. Though I have to say there are still parts of physics and chemistry 
that I miss because particularly um, physics, I think, has much more um, uh, like big picture understanding whether biology can be incredibly detailed um, and sometimes it's hard to bring all those details together into kind of a big picture view. Um, So sometimes I miss that about, you know, the simplicity of a physics equation. Break it down. Yeah. Do some 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 pronumerals and that sort of stuff can make it a bit easier. Is that because you're you're right when you're looking at biochemistry, the the cycles of of uh, energy transfer and inflammation response is yeah, is just yeah, yeah. So university, uh, you're specialising in this very very um, demanding, deepening. Uh, still at the stage emerging understanding of of how our bodies are responding what has that done for you to to uh, either build or to expand your notion of what it means to be created in the image of god yeah well certainly i've learned that the body is incredibly complex (laughs) i i think um uh, like I just had no idea, and I mean, even now, I think um, every year things just kind of the depth of what we know about um, the human body is increasing, and yet still we're barely um, scratching the surface to some extent. So I think, I mean, that's given me a great wonder about um, what God has created, and the idea, and also I think which is maybe not quite being about being created in the image of God, but also gives you a sense of how far our knowledge is from God's. Yes. Um, that um, he, you know, created all this. He understands the way it works and where even with all our enormous endeavour and so many great minds working on this, we're only beginning to scratch the surface of understanding um, the way things work. So the more detail that you're unpacking as you are researching these processes and finding the little bits of the jigsaw that all fit together, yeah, is it is it um, deepening your conviction that we were fearlessly and wonderfully made? Yes, I think yeah, I think it is. I think um, like just to think that um, something so complex could be. Um, completely random just seems just seems ridiculous. Yeah. Um, clearly, other people think that's I think that's true, but it it just the way it works together is just amazing. Um, and particularly, you know, in in immunology, the way that um, you can respond against so many different infections mm. is just incredible. And um, to think that we have a God who is capable of, you know, making all that. And that's just one small part of the world that, mm. you know, he brought into existence. And there's, you know, planets and galaxies and everything beyond that. It's just the greatness of the universe is just extraordinary. As you've progressed through your career and enjoyed appointments to more prestigious positions and more opportunities, has being a Christian ever been problematic for you? Has it ever been something that the people around you have 
found difficult to deal with? Sure, actually, no one's, no one's expressed it. Um, expressed it to me. I, I think. I mean, certainly, um, the people closest to me, um, you know, in in my career, have not had a problem mm. with it. Um, I think people tend to have, uh, to some extent, a you do what you know you want to do, kind mm. of out outside your science life. Um, kind of thing. Now, I suspect there is some degree of, um, particularly for people who don't know you as well, that there might be a sense that people would think that was a, a bit strange and kind of look at it a bit strangely. And certainly, I mean, you do get, you know, people people will make throwaway comments, you know, in talks sometimes that are kind of a bit disparaging of, yeah. you know, Christianity for some reason or another. But I think there is a sense in which people, when people know you personally and then that isn't an, an issue as much. Um, sure. And, and I suppose there is the the work defence itself. That, that's part of the scientific method, isn't it? That if you, if you do the work. And yeah, exactly. And Exactly. If you're doing good science, then people are going to respond to that, um, I think. Mm. What If you look back on the things that you've learned, understood, had insights about, what's one of those moments when you felt completely mind-blown by, by an insight or a discovery or something that was new to you? Gosh, that's it's like I feel like sometimes it's more more incremental in that. Um, I I think some of these for some of these um, diseases. So I work on in within immunology. I work on um, people who have uh, genetic um, conditions which make them then susceptible to particular infections. And I think one of the things that is just um, incredible about some of these diseases is that you can get um, someone who has kind of a, a genetic problem and it makes them susceptible just to one or two infections. Like all the rest, they respond to fine, mm. but there's just one or two infections that they can't deal with. And just the idea that your immune system is so finely tuned that you know, it's got a particular response for this infection and for that infection and you find the gene that's underlying that and suddenly you're like, wow, that one signal goes wrong and the whole system for that infection falls apart is just incredible. Um, and that it can be, yeah, just kind of balanced in a way that most of the time it works It works really well is incredible given the complexity so the specificity of our immune response is is something that you yeah regularly get reminded about how unfathomably um detailed it is yeah impressive it is yeah that's a good response that's good working with disease the way that you do or necessarily our response to disease is the the rise of the pandemics and infections and superbugs and is that uh, something that worries you or that you think should worry us? 
I mean, yes, clearly as this current pandemic has has shown, um, we are not as in control as we'd um, like to think. And certainly not just emerging viruses, but as you say, antibiotic resistance has the potential to send us back to the way things were pre-antibiotics when people, you know, got a scratch and potentially died. Um, but I also think um, that this pandemic has been um, also an amazing demonstration of how far we've come in science, um, just the speed in which progress has been made in identifying the virus and trying to understand it. Um, is in, impressive and look we still don't have answers but um i think that w we will make progress hopefully we'll end up with a vaccine but i also think so uh, i guess i think there will always be emerging things i think there will be problems i think as um a human race we would be naive to think that just because things are in control now, they'll always be in control. Mm. Um, but as a Christian, um, I think that shouldn't be surprising to us either. Um, and, and anyone who studies history, it shouldn't really be that surprising to. And I think um, particularly in the early days of, the, um, of this pandemic, as an immunologist, I, I could see how badly things could potentially go and have gone in some places. You know, you could kind of see that happening. And in one sense that made me incredibly anxious, but in another sense actually that made me um, turn back to God and put my trust in him much more because I think when as humans we think that we've got things under control, you know, that like modern medicine can cure everything that, you know, our economy is going pretty well, we can um, forget that we're actually entirely dependent on God. So for me, actually, this pandemic was um, a, a wake-up call, a reminder that actually in all of life um, we have to put our trust in God because actually we're never in control, even in the times when it looks to us like we're in control. And, and um, Dr. Denick, are you using that as a as a metaphor, as a symbol thing, or as a much more literal that that God is orchestrated, or God is involved in the mechanics and the the, the global activity. Uh, how, how do you how do you see that being worked out? The the sovereignty of God, or the the divineness of God. Yeah, it's it's a, it's, it's a tough question. I mean, I I don't think. Um, I, I certainly don't see um, in particular that this is, you know, uh, something sent by God as a punishment for anything in per particular. But I do think that um, God is in control, that um, he, nothing can happen without yes. him allowing it to happen. So um, in that sense, um Yes, he has allowed this virus to spread. He has, you know, um, been there in that. Um, but also I think he gives 
um, he's given us scientists and doctors who have talents to fight that as well. So it's the two work together. It's not like we just then stand back as, you know, scientists and go, well, God's in control. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> but we we use the talents that God has given us. We work to, to fight that. But knowing that in the end, God, God's plans um, will come to pass. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you mentioned or you made a comment at the start of our conversation about your feeling that your faith was operating at a at a higher level of of um, reality. I suppose is what I interpreted you saying. And I think yeah. I'm the same thing there. That there is this this over uh, or or undergirding, whichever way you yeah. make the comparison concept of of what actually is real and what actually is going on that that holds together the mechanics of infection yeah. or of immune response yeah. and, and i wanted to ask you having spent so much time understanding those processes those mechanics even though they are they are alive they're living cells that are involved in in a process what what stops you from falling into a mechanistic view of what it means to be a person and when there is you have such a mastery of the mechanisms that are involved in life yeah um i think to some extent it comes back to you almost have to understand that there are there are two levels and to some extent for me, I think that comes back to the fact that um, if everything were purely mechanic, mechanistic, then things stop making sense again. I mean, even our rational thought stops making yeah. sense because you end up then that it's just, you know, neurons firing and, you know, how does that ever, how does that kind of give truth and what even is truth if it's like you've got and then you also actually as much as people sometimes worry that the sovereignty of God takes away free will actually if we're just kind of biological machines then we also have no free will because actually I only thought that because that neuron fired and that only fired because of a thousand other things that happened before that um so in a sense um there isn't there is an element of faith in that that you have to say well I believe that the thoughts that I'm having (laughs) are true and that my rational thought processes actually do give me truth um I can't prove that but in a in a sense um that's what all scientists operate on the idea that my my rational thought can give us can make sense of the world um and in that sense you then have to believe that there's something operating besides just machinery, biological machinery. So, so as Christians living in a world where we do see the rampant spread of this disease and, and many other diseases and the threat of, of other things that come on our lives, particularly by way of infection and, and the response of medicine, we look to science. We so often look, we need a vaccine. We're looking for those sorts of treatments. What, where do you think, how do, how do Christians hold a sense of hope in that sort of space and what should be the message that we are sharing with society as faithful witnesses to God 
in those sort of circumstances? Um, in terms of the actual practicalities of it, I, I think there are many um, very intelligent scientists who are, are working on this. And I think actually we will come up with new therapies. We'll, we'll come up with um, new vaccines, you know, the next new disease that comes along. Um, you know, it is likely that, uh, you know, we'll be able to come up with solutions to that. But there's also the potential that there will be significant death and destruction before that happens. But that is actually um, the human condition, actually. Yeah. So I think as Christians, we've got to hold out a greater hope that actually um, it's not just this life, it's yeah. the life to come and that if we uh, trust in God, if we trust in what Jesus has done for us, that no matter what comes in this life, mm. um, our next life is assured. Um, and that actually that's the only thing that will truly bring peace. Mm. Whilst as a scientist, I like to think that, you know, we'll come up with solutions. If your ultimate hope is in that, mm. you'll never have peace and you'll never have true assurance and you'll always be anxious because there could always be a new more deadly virus mm. or, you know, a new climate disaster mm. or, you know, an asteroid coming from space. Mm. Like we, life is uncertain and because of the fall, like death is a certainty for all of us. It's just a matter of when it comes. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really important point that you're making, that, that um, Christianity doesn't just hold out the... The blessedness of of um, an endpoint or confidence in a God, but it it brings the comfort and the consolation even when things are tough and challenging. Yeah, Christians, we can hold both of those those messages of hope that that we carry um, off into the world. Yeah, yeah. The, the The notion of of where things are heading, where your where your research is heading, we've we've been covering some pretty philosophical ground in our conversation. It's gone a little bit more beyond T cells and activation, <laughs> uh, which I'm really enjoying. I hope you're okay with us getting to those sort of spaces. There's a, there's another issue that maybe it's worth just uh, asking a quick question about, if you don't mind, is that uh, again, I'm prompted by the notion that you've been describing of finding more and more detail of, of pushing the boundary of knowledge further and further and, and accumulating a, a deepening understanding of the specifics of the, the chemicals, the forces of attraction, the interactions. With that notion that our knowledge is becoming more and more precise, more and more complete, one of the other charges that is made against science is that it dismisses God to be the God of the gaps, the things that we can't explain. And it's eventually we're going to move him out altogether. Yeah. What's your considered response having brought your faith into this process? What's, uh, what's your notion of the God of the gaps idea? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's important because we're always making process and, progress sorry um 
that we have a bigger picture of God than just a God of the gaps. Mm. Um, if, which, uh, like, yeah, because you don't want to just be like, oh, well, what about this? That must be God because we haven't found a reason for that. And then you found a reason for that. And then are you uncertain? I think it comes back again to that idea that, um, science and kind of Christianity are, are operating in, in different spheres, I think, um, and that um, even for the things that we understand, even the bits of the immune system that we understand, you still would say God has a role in that as well. Clearly he, he created that and clearly he upholds those, yes. those interactions as well. Like it's not as if, um, just because we understand it, he's not playing a role in it. He's still, the fact that those molecules still interact in that same way every day, every time, and still give the same response requires that he continues to uphold the way that the universe works. Um, having said that, I also think that it's going to be a really long time before we fill all the gaps really as well. <laughs> I but, but um, yeah, I don't think we should limit God just to the gaps. I think that that un, underestimates how how powerful and how ultimate he is. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think um, I'm prompt or reminded of a comment you made earlier in our conversation about the fact that there, there has to be an acceptance of, of, by faith, of more than just the mechanical and, and that the whole notion of reality has to include dimensions that are not, prescribed by the firing of neurons or the interaction of chemicals. Yeah. I'm, I'm reminded that the story you told of that science teacher who, who gave that little example of, you know, as humans, we are so much more than just the accumulation of, of uh, chemicals and forces and interactions. There's, there's a person that exists inside of all of that. And that's part of our reality also. Yeah. Yeah. What what's um next for you? What's the thing that's setting up as a the next challenge for you? Uh look, I think one of the the challenges for uh, medical research going forward and also certainly for what I'm interested in is to understand um so a lot of what I work at looking at people who have problems with their immune system that make them susceptible to infection or increase their risk of autoimmunity is looking at people kind of at the extremes, people who have got these genetic conditions that make them incredibly susceptible to these things. But I think um, going forward, what we actually need to do is understand, well, if you have someone who has lots of little problems in different kind of aspects of their immune system, how does that result in autoimmunity for them? So for people, we know there's lots of people, you know, who are susceptible who are just a bit more sickly or, you know, have an autoimmune disease um, to really kind of bring together that complexity, which may actually take, take me back in the end to kind of ideas of modelling and mathematics and, and mm. physics as well. How do we understand how lots of small changes can make the immune response go wrong mm. and result in my immune system attacking my own body or, you know, failing to fight off that, off COVID or something like mm. that? Can we understand those things going forward? And can we actually get better personalised treatment for 
people with autoimmunity or people suffering from an infection, that kind of thing. Um, because a lot of medicine is very kind of, you know, hit it with a hammer. <laughs> like we've got, yeah. there's, not, there's not a lot of fine tuning often in medicine because we just, we don't have the understanding to actually fine tune things often. So we've just got to come in really hard and, and hit whatever's going on really hard. So my hope is that in the next, you know, 10 um, years or so where our understanding of these processes will grow so that we'll be able to better treat people with, you know, so it's more effective and has less side effects. Yeah, that's good. But I, from the summary of our previous comments, not assuming that you're thinking we're heading to a, a, a utopian no illness, no disease, everything's fixed and no one, one single shot and we're good for life. That's not like no. No. I don't I don't think I don't think we'll get there. Um and I think um COVID shows us that, you know, you can think you've solved one problem and then something new springs up. I, I think that's um yeah, to think that we'll ever solve all the problems is, um, I think, naive. I think, you know, the, the complexity will keep us guessing yeah. for a long time. And, and even if we can get all that right, we've still got the things that, that go wrong in other parts, right? Our relationships and our emotions and yeah. parts of our humanity yeah. that, that we still got to try and Exactly. Make. Which I guess yeah. brings us to, to the point of, of uh, where some of your early training happened in your Christian family, in your Christian school about the place of God in in uh, being an answer to to the questions both of science and of salvation and uh, the way that we can live together yeah dr Dunick, it's been a delight to get to know some of your story a little and uh, get a little bit of insight into the mysterious for most of us the mysterious world of immunology we uh, are just so thankful that there are there are people that god has given the gifts to understand and to learn can share their insights and uh, the fruit of all of that intellectual labor with the rest of us. Remind us how we're going to keep safe and how we can look after one another. Um, I pray that the next 10 years is very productive and fruitful in your sphere, um, your research, but also in the area of your faith. Thank you for your time. Thank you. 